Today we're going to talk about looking for hope. Today we're going to talk about how hope shows up in our lives and how to, how to see that, how to understand that, how to chase after that. In the Old Testament, God has a bunch of different names. Um, you know, when we talk, you know, we say God. Now, for the people you work with, you use the name God, that can mean anything to them. That can mean Buddha to them, that can mean Allah to them. That can, you understand there's only one Jehovah God. And He and Allah are not the same. Regardless of whatever you see on TV that somebody wants everybody to make nice, Allah and Jehovah God are not the same God. There is one God, the God of heaven, that's Jehovah God. Everybody else is a fake. If you think that makes me narrow, I agree. Absolutely. Read your Bible. Jesus is pretty narrow-minded. You can't read the Gospels without getting that conviction. Um, sometimes people are so open-minded, their brains fall out. And um, we just... <laughs> we're not going to be that. So... Um, it's important, you know, during the summer, we will continue a series called Open Your Bibles because it's important we know what your Bible says. Uh, you know, when people say, well, I just don't know that story. Well, what we do over the summer is helping you know the stories of the Bible. Not some fairy tale, but that there really was a guy named David who killed a giant. And there really was a guy named Samson. And there really was these people really existed. So we look to God's word to give us hope. That's what we do. That's what we do all the time. Um, you, you don't want to say look to me because I, like you, am broken. I don't always do the right thing. I always have the right answers. And uh, just like the people sitting around you, we are a group of people who struggle to follow God as best we can. That's who we are. That's what we do. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, so today, uh, we're going to, as I said, there's a bunch of different names for God. In the Old Testament, that they would find, they would find themselves would find themselves in circumstance and, and receive God's blessing, and they would say, "Oh, um, we will name this place something." And we usually have the name God. Um, there's a time where they do this two little two little word letter called L, um, and, and that would mean God, and then they have this other phrase like like this one. Um, jump ahead to that next one. We'll come back to this verse. Thank you. Jehovah Shammah means God is always there. Now, for sometimes, we will use that as a threat. Right? Like, you know, God's everywhere. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, God sees what you do. So don't be stupid. <laughs> so don't get in trouble because God's always watching. Rather than go to the other side and say, man, everywhere I go, God is there. Why should I be afraid of anything? Maybe we should start doing that. You know, God is everywhere you go, and He is always with you. He doesn't take vacation. He doesn't take naps. Doesn't. He's not at lunch. God is always there. Let's get back to that first verse that Thomas skipped over. Romans fifteen thirteen. May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. I believe that when the Holy Spirit gives these writers the words to say to believers, I think it's important that how he says things. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So then, 
oftentimes that's what we think God is like. Because there's the model that you saw growing up. You didn't necessarily see a model of God that says, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, I'm going to be right there with you. Are you going to say, absolutely yes. Will that grieve me? God says, yes it will. Will I be there no matter what? Absolutely. When life is difficult, God says, I will be right there with you. When you're afraid, I will be right there with you. When you feel helpless, I will be right there with you. The question is not about whether God is there and present among us. The question is, what will I do with that? So let's look at um, just a, a handful of verses this morning. The first thing I want to talk about is presence. And the presence of God is watching over us. All of our difficulties, all of the difficult choices we have to make, the presence of God is there. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So don't worry. We could probably stop right there with no other verses. So don't worry. Let's, let's be as transparent as we can be in this room right now. If I were to ask you to make two lists, first list of things you're worried about right now. That list would probably come to you like you were Mozart writing a symphony. You would just write and write. You could close your eyes and write. You would just write, 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 write about the things that you're worried about right now. Well, where are my kids going? What about this test I have to take tomorrow? What about this? What about that? And you would just worry. You would have this list of words. And I said, okay, now let's write a list of things that, that God has blessed you with. There you go. And then all of a sudden your list would be incredibly generic. You could write a detailed list. You could write a manifesto like you were the Unabomber about the stuff you were worried about. But when it came to the stuff that God has blessed you with, it'd be very generic. Kids, job, uh, red, uh, orange, gray, clothes, Man, that's a struggle we have as a, as a race of people. That's who we are. We just fight that battle all the time. Isaiah says, so don't worry because I am with you. He, said, he, he doesn't say, don't worry because um, you're smart and you'll work this out. He doesn't say, don't worry because. This is bad as it's going to get. You know why? <laughs> right? You know exactly why. Because if you think this is bad as it's going to get, you know, wait. It might get worse. Heaven's sakes, it might get worse. And we'll talk about that in a little while because Jesus says, hey, look, in this world you're in trouble, but don't be afraid because I have overcome the world. He doesn't say, but um, don't worry because you've got enough money to handle this problem. Don't worry because there's other jobs out there. Don't worry because of whatever it is. He says, don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. There's only a handful of people in, in, in the Old Testament that are a very specific group of people that were not right-handed. Right-handed people are uh, more right-handed people. Not. He's left-handed in this room. I know a couple. 
God's mercy is stepping up on you every day, too. So I sat when I read that verse, and I was like, man, I'm an idiot. Maybe that should be such a revelation to me. But it was. And I went, okay, so then if you love them that much, how can I say I love you but not love them? How can I say, God, you're the most important thing to me if I don't love those people? You love those people. So again, let's swallow some transparency, transparency from each other. I don't want to do that. God, you can love them, but I know them. Right? Yeah, after all, your only presence is around me, not around them. And that's just a struggle that I'm going through with reconciling some of that in my head. Um, but also that hit me, I was like, oh, wow, I want more of them. Because I want, I want all of God's mercies for me. And I want all of God's mercies for the people I like. And who are in turn good to me. But for the people who are not, God lets not get carried away. Right? I mean, we all have our limits, God. Is God's purpose, am I going to allow God's purpose to work in me? Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular, very well-known verse. Um, I say this because I know what I'm planning for you, God says. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Philippians 1, 6 says, God began doing a work, a good work in you. God began doing a good work in you. And I am sure he will continue it until it's finished when Jesus Christ comes again. So the brokenness that you experience, the, the struggles that you have, God has began to do something in you, and he's not done. The people around you, the people you live in your house, whether it's your spouse or your children or your parents, whoever it is, you have to understand that God is working in their lives too. And none of us have got it figured out. We're going to struggle every day to follow God, to make right choices, to obey, to let God's purpose show up in our lives. And if we understand that we are in that struggle, we have to understand that everybody else is too. So when somebody says, hey, this is what I'll do for you, and they don't do it, they're just in the struggle too. And God's not done with them either. They're all in this together, as Red Green says. Um, some of you have no idea who Greg Green is. I will pray for you. You need to know who Greg Green is. Um, God's purpose showing up in our lives changes us and it changes our environment, changes our workplace, it changes all of those things. Places for hope. The last section we'll look at is about when you leave this world. Jesus talks a lot about the struggles in this life and how difficult it will be. And he also uses what happens when you leave this place as a source of hope. Now for us, you know, we will look at what we do and how we survive and, and hopefully not just survive our lives. But you find little pieces of hope in every part of your life. You've studied hard for a test and you passed it and that brings joy and hope in your life. 
that product, you take that grade home and you say to your parents, look, can I please have the keys to the car? Look at my grades. And you have hope when you come home to do that. Right? Yeah, and there's a lot of hope when you bring that report card home and look. That D is now B, and please let me out of jail. Or whether it's a poor performance review. Um, I, I, have, I have staff that I have to review. And those are due tomorrow. So this morning, <laughs> so, as a byproduct of the choices I made with the staff people that report to me, so I had to bring a review this morning for one of my staff people to sign. And he said, Oh, it's this. I said, it's, it's your review. It's your review, blah, blah, blah. You just need to sign it. So you just signed it. I said, Do you want to read it? He said, Well, I figured if there's anything bad in there, I would get a job. Well said. Well said. So there, you know, there's little pieces of hope all around us, and there are people in our lives that bring hope to us. And partially, it could be just because their personality. That's just who they are. That is a spiritual piece of hang up, that they bring hope to people. And when you are in a pit, um, they're the person that says, really? Because things could be a lot worse. Yeah, things could be better. But things could be a lot worse. So what are the things that you have every day that you find hope in? That you honestly look at and go, oh, God, really, it's faithful. I don't always feel it. He doesn't, he, he doesn't meet my list of demands that I seem to give him all the time. Because that's, that's not really the God of the Bible anyway. Or the Lord of the God of my imagination anyway. So as we find hope in, in God's presence in our lives, God's purpose in our lives, we also find hope in that, understand, this life that we live right now is as bad as it will get for people who have faith in Jesus Christ. This is it. And so, we have these places waiting for us. John 14, 1 and 2. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I find it incredibly encouraging that when you read the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah God who spoke to the people of Israel and said stuff like, don't worry, don't be afraid, take heart, be encouraged. He said like that, he said that stuff all the time. When you read the first six books of the Bible, Genesis through Joshua, you read God saying all the time to people of all different age groups, Him saying, don't be afraid, take courage, take heart, be encouraged. He says that all the time. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Jesus says, look, this life is temporary. This life is school for eternity. So get good grades. So pay attention. You will spend more time in eternity than you will here. But you live in life like it. And making choices with that in mind. Don't be afraid. I am going to get a place ready for you. With a full understanding, you understand the implication there? If Jesus is going to make a place for us, then we will end up there as believers. That is our ultimate destination. To spend eternity in God's presence. This place is waiting for us. First Peter, 
And God has received for it, has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and defiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in his mighty power, will make sure that you get there safely to receive it. Because you are trusting in him. It will be yours in that coming last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. That's a lot of verse with one very simple truth. Life is rough down here. God has a better thing waiting for you. Nothing you can do to change it. Uh, Jesus says, store for yourself treasure in heaven where nothing can destroy or decay it. You're not going to outgrow your clothes in heaven. You don't need to lose weight or gain weight in heaven. Everything will fit just like the day you tried it on in the dressing room. And when you get home with those clothes, then you'll look just as good as you did at the store. See, sometimes we think that, okay, am I wrong? I mean, does anybody else have that experience with the great dressing room? Yeah, but those are like circus mirrors. It's just, it's kind of. It's a little shady, right? It's a little shady. Um, we, want, we want to have hope in our lives, but we're not willing to have the discipline to, to experience that. You may well lose five pounds, but you may not have the discipline to accomplish that. You want to be in better shape, but you may not have the discipline. So you wonder why your pants are tight and you're they're going the wrong way in the belt loops. As if that bag of Oreos was not a factor. The, the spiritual disciplines are the same. You know, we wonder why we don't have this connection to God. We wonder why we don't hear God speak truth into our lives. We wonder why there's disconnections in relationships, but we're not willing to make those sacrifices to have the hope that those things will work out the way God says. We're not willing to invest that time and yet we'll still go, um, yeah, hey, you get it. Yeah, absolutely, you, you, you do get it. You do get it. It's a part of every other phase of your life. Every other aspect of your life is the same principle. If you want to be this, here's the steps to be that. If you want to have a connection with God, when you're reading your Bible, while you're praying, what are you doing? Jesus says, look, this is this worse. This is going to get for you. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. John the Revelator says he will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All of that is gone forever. The only people who experience that phenomenon are
open your Bible and say, well, no, that's my own. You can't prove it's your Bible. The Bible is clear. Faith in Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, gains us that reality. Nothing else. Absolutely nothing. Our last two verses, I'm sorry, our last three verses, First Peter 1 3. He says, Praise be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, in God's great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Let's skip to verse uh, 52, Psalm 52. What are you two doing? Chris, we're going to go to our last slide. I, I should have realized, right, that's where things were going smoothly, right? It was in there. Psalm 52 9. I will praise you forever for what you have done, and your name I will hope. For your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. Okay. Let's talk about some contagious behaviors here. When was the last time you heard anybody say, Man, God is so good? All the time. And all the time, God is good. When was the last time you said that? I don't mean around church folks. I mean, it's easy for us to say it. It really is. What about the place you work? Now, I have to work in a place where some of you also work. So it's easier for us to have that God conversation. It's easier if we said, Man, God was really good. But for the most part, we don't think that's weird. Now, some people we work with may think we're weird. But I can live with that. I'm not saying I'm not weird. I'm certainly not saying you're not weird. But, <laughs> how, how does hope show up in your life? When your kids ever have an experience with you, they say, man, mom or dad really do have hope in God. They see that. Do they hear that? Is it an experience that they would ever be able to, to repeat? The people that your your family members, do they see a faith in you that would even remotely be considered contagious? Do you have those kinds of God conversations? Let me tell you what God did for me. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be Daniel's successful surgery. It could just be a small thing. And I really studied hard for this thing or I worked hard on this project and it turned out awesome and man, God is so very good. You have those conversations all your life with anybody. Now here's the dilemma. Here you'll be the hurdle that you'll learn. When you start when you first start talking about that, people are gonna think it's weird. People are gonna think, oh wow. Here comes Mike. He's gonna talk about Jesus. You know, we would say that if, if when Mike showed up, he talked about the Reds. Or if he talked about whatever else. It's for some reason, we think that bringing up God is taboo. And you can't do that. Why? So, as we said last week, you might have to take a stand. You might have to stop biting your tongue. When you pray over lunch in your lunchroom, it shouldn't look like this. Man, because you didn't rub it in like the other day. And, you know, it's, why not like that? Just pray. I'm not saying you stand on a chair and go, can I get your attention? 